My name is Tim. I won't tell you my last name. None of us will ever tell you our last name. Except for Jenna. If I tell you my last name, the Yerks could find me. Yerks probably aren't real. I'm reading a book that was written for middle schoolers. Welcome to episode seven of Minds at Yerk. I'm Tim. I'm Alex. And I'm Megan. This week Nailed we read. It. Nailed yeah, it. Yeah, got it. <clears throat> In one. Uh, this week we read book number seven called The Stranger. I have to look at it again. Do we just want to rip the obvious band aid off right now and make the, make the sleepy hand masturbation joke at top? I might have missed the sleepy hand masturbation joke. I'm a little afraid to ask. Okay, well, will you two familiarize yourselves with The Stranger on Urban Dictionary? Oh, no. yeah, didn't know that. Oh, is That's this the one, one where, like, the, a guy causes his hand to fall asleep? <laughs> that is the one. Yeah. <laughs> Just wanted to rip that band-aid right off. Yeah, no, um, it, it's better. I didn't it's go better. there, You got it out thanks. of the way. Yeah, Thanks. No, no clue. I read a book no for judging book covers this past week where about a white rapper named Hot Carl, so I got enough <laughs> of my Urban Dictionary in this week. Thank you. Gonna go look up Hot Carl. No, <laughs> okay. <laughs> you do that. Yeah. Let's get that all the way, too. Oh, no. No, no, no. I'll do it after the show, because now I'm concerned with your reaction to it. <laughs> it sounds like some terrible alternate universe answer to Carl Winslow. Do you not know what a hot Carl is either? It's or okay something if you from don't. Carl's Jr., maybe? It's okay <laughs> if you don't. Christina Aguilera did and couldn't stop laughing. But yes. We read okay. a book this week. Well. Alrighty. Do you cover what it is in that episode? Uh, very briefly. Okay. You All can right. probably guess. There, Welcome to Minds at York, our handbook <laughs> recap fan cast. <laughs> In which we recap without having listened to Meg's yeah. other podcast. Thanks, guys. Feeling the love. So how was everybody's week? It was good. Yeah. It's been a fortnight, to be fair, but it was good. How did I blow that? Not merely a sin night, but a full fortnight. Oh, yeah. yeah. I thought the heat broke, and then Mother Nature went, fuck you, bitch. <laughs> No, it was so nice last week, and then I realized this is the week before Dragon Con. It's always nice this week. Yep. It will be Swamp Things Taint again next week. Yep. And yep. here we are. And you'll get that nice rain that seems to happen every time I'm down there for like four minutes, just enough to make it incredibly humid. Back in his mossy gusset. Yep. Absolutely. Okay, so we want to talk about this book? Sure. Yeah. How about I recap it for you guys? Sure. Please do. All right. So it begins with Big Top, Cassie, and Rachel. They go to the circus. Rachel decides she's going to help some mistreated elephants by 
beating up on trainer Joseph something. Uh, she tells him that she's with the International Elephant Police while in elephant form in Thoughtspeak, which is amazing. Uh, Marco and Tobias let everybody know that they found a yerk pool entrance in the dressing room of the Gap that leads to an exit from the movie theater. Rachel's dad comes to dinner. He's got a new job, which means he's going to have to leave Virginia and <laughs> wants Rachel to go with him. Rachel goes to not talk to Tobias, which was odd. Rachel gets bare DNA while she's out by herself. Rachel and Cassie go to the gap dressing room and they turn into roaches, followed by the rest of the gang. They all sneak into a tunnel that leads to the yerk pool. It turns out we learn right then that humans smell like flour, and I thought that was fun, so I just wanted to point that out. Uh, the gang finds the yerk pool McDonald's, and while in there in roach form are subsequently swallowed by taxons. And then all of a sudden time stops and they are demorphed. Uh, they are introduced to a being known as the Elemist, who wants to take a few humans to preserve them because he says the Yurks are going to win the war. He asks if they want to go, that they have to decide right now. And the gang says, nah, we good. <laughs> back. <laughs> they go back to the moment that they left in the taxon after finding out their path to escape. They morph out of the taxon, which makes him blow up, and I thought that was fun. Uh, you get Rachel turning into a bear, Jake turning into a tiger, and they fight their way to the drop shaft. Drop shaft. The Elemist comes back, which fulfilled an earlier promise that he made. The Elemist shows them a post-apocalyptic shopping mall. Visser 3 is now Visser 1 in this post-apocalyptic future. Axe poses as Visser 3 now 1 when he shows up with... Uh, oh, when Visser 3 now 1 shows up with older Rachel, which created a fun little time loop that I really enjoyed because I enjoy time loops. Uh, it turns out time has gone walkie because the way older Rachel remembers it is not the way that it happened. Young Rachel is about to kill Visser 3 now 1 and is instantly <laughs> back punching a tree. Everyone but Jake decides to go with the Elemist. Rachel decides the Elemist has ulterior motive. The Elemist wants to help, but can't, according to his rule. The Candrona, they decide, is in the EGS building, which they learned from their future visit. So they form a raiding party. There's a big Hork-Bajir fight, and Tobias ends up saving them again, as he does. Uh, Rachel elephants the Candrona out the window of a 60-story building. And then Rachel says goodbye to her dad. Cool. And now we are all caught up. But I would like to point out that in this book, I made three predictions last time, if memory serves. <laughs> I said that they would turn into animals. They did. Although shit. I said that Chapman would make an appearance, which his name did. And I said that we would have something to do with gymnasty, which we did for like one sentence when she was talking about moving you with her dad. also predicted that they would go to the mall. Oh, I did. They went to post-apocalyptic mall, too. They did. I, yes. <laughs> but proving Robin Sparkles wrong, they were sorry. Nope. No clue who Robin Sparkles yeah, is. that one. Superman. Robin on How I Met Your Mother. Nope. Oh, yeah. No, Let's go with the to the mall. We won't be sorry. 
Is she the Canadian one? That's not yep. Canadian. Yep. So, I had thoughts while you were talking, and now they've all flown out of my head. <laughs> it's good. It was a good book, though. It, six is still my favorite, but this one was good. And I really want to get. I want to get more Elemist. I want to. Stop you know, there's there's a book called the Elemis Chronicles on my, and I just want to stop reading right now and go read that book. <laughs> the Elemis Chronicles. Nope, I'm not going to say anything about it. Yeah, don't, don't, don't. But I, 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 and I'm insanely interested in that character. It was like the it's, cue of the Animorphs world. It's kind of cool realizing that it's not like there's just two or three different kind of aliens, but it's like yeah. you are tiny. Yeah, there are gods roaming around. <laughs> So this is literally, hands down, my favorite book. My actual copy of it is Falling Apart. And in part, it's because of how awesome the Elemist is and, yeah. and, and starting that whole uh, saga. But also in part, like, everything Rachel's going through, I, okay, I did not go through the war fighting and all that stuff, but <laughs> I was a divorced kid whose mother ended up moving us about 500 miles away from my dad and having to deal with, I didn't get the option of which one and I wanted to live with. And frankly, I would have chosen my mom anyways, but all the like angst she feels about that was like me during reading this. So as I was reading this, I was like, Oh, now I remember why Rachel's my favorite. It's because I related to her way too much. And uh, also this book, especially when we get to, like, the ghost-written books, people forget that Rachel isn't just, like, bloodthirsty. And that even though she's going to be the first to jump into battle, she's still human. Like, she's still very torn about the things that she does. She's still terrified constantly. And I don't know. It's just a nice preservation of like Rachel as a human here. Cause yeah. I, I definitely, it, it, like I said, six is my, my favorite book so far because it was the one that felt like the story really got moving and there was parts to it that I really enjoyed. This one I liked a lot because this one made the story bigger. Yeah. You know, there were, there were things that happened with the Elemist that I just did not think I was going to get reading through these books. I thought that we'd pretty much reached a standardized point of what I was going to get each book. And then, you know, <laughs> all of a sudden time stops and, and they're demorphed and there's something, you know, sort of all powerful coming to deal with them. And I just, I really thought it was neat. Really yeah, I mean, I'm a sucker for any time they introduce time travel and strange <laughs> yeah. cosmic oh, yeah. beings yeah. and which we've had that conversation on panelology that that's my that's my hook you know what i'm saying like yeah. the, the 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 close time loop stuff or the the in this case the the something happened different from the last time it did in the time loop it's it's, it's my game yeah yeah i was gonna this is also the first one so what hit me with the first few but especially with number six was like Kid me found these books to be really long, and by the time that they realize that Jake has a yerk in the book, we're over halfway through the book. So it doesn't necessarily feel rushed, but it is kind of rushed. And this one feels like there is no waiting for the action. 
Well, there's a formula to the first, especially five, but really six books. That is introduction, dealing with normal life with this sword hanging over everyone, fight scene. And there's not a lot of like denouement between fight scene and end of book in any of the first six. Uh, and I think six pretty well sticks to that formula that one through five do rely on as they set things up. But this is not about a fight. This is about a decision. And in a way, you do kind of still have like the the, the rush on the building where the Kendrona generator is. Yeah. Like, that is in that same point in the story. But instead of this one being just about... Uh, just about balancing life and fighting the Yerks, you do get the Illumus question much on because it becomes like both both halves of Rachel's world are about basically the same question. Yeah, they're should about making the I? decision: Do I stay or should? Yeah, should I stay or should I go? Yeah, uh, I'll tell you. Depending on how sort of like broad you want to look at the way the books are set up like if you were to summarize the setup of the book in two or three sentences but this one still does very much fit that but you're right the the interesting portions of the book or the sort of drivers of the book definitely come in a lot earlier in this one. yeah yeah when i think the churn out a book a month or early on they were two a month no nope, you have they to were have some... one every other month until after this book then they started okay book. When I saw they were bi-monthly, I thought bi-monthly the other way. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. Still, to turn out a book every month, even every other month, you do have to have a little bit of a a template that you can follow. I mean, that's what middle grade books are. Right. So, where do we want to start? Well, I would like to point out, early on, uh, we get maybe part of an answer to... A question we asked in book three. Or at least hints of an answer. Fuck, what was that question? We asked the question, why did Rachel have a photo of Tobias in her nightstand drawer? And there was very much an assumption that they did not know each other. And I definitely don't think they were super close. But Rachel definitely knew who Tobias was and... The way I read this was at least like maybe a little into him. Yeah. Just from the just from the not even how much she describes him or the way she describes him, but the poetry. I mean for a twelve year old, the poetry of how she describes him. Then there's Tobias. Back when all this started, Tobias was barely an acquaintance of Jake and Marco, although I kind of knew him. He was a sweet, poetic kind of guy, the kind bullies love to pick on. He used to have messy, out-of-control hair and dreamy eyes that always seemed to be looking at something no one else could see. So I I definitely think that there was room for her to have been like, yeah, we can swap photo day photos or whatever, because I do think she was at least, from a distance, you know, definitely aware of him and maybe a little... A little interested in him yeah but definitely not in that group of people who would have ostracized him 
ostrich sized him ostrich sized yeah Jesus. Yes, that's exactly what I said yeah I do feel like we get a little bit more of a breakdown of like what they were like before this book you yeah. know Rachel and Jake weren't really even friends kind of like no. how most people are with their cousins you know yeah uh, and then of course yeah you know Cassie was her best friend and I get the whole we're into different things and nobody can explain why we're best friends, but I kind of do want to understand why they're best friends. And I don't know if we ever really quite get that. Like a basis for like, hey, yeah, she's really into animals and I'm really into fashion, but like we bonded over this. Uh, Yeah, really, like it could be something as trivial as they got sat next to each other at school. Yeah. And just talking you know what i'm saying it could be any number of things well and if they've been friends long enough like it may simply be they shared a crayon together remember yeah yeah yeah. and that's fine but i wish there was something that says that because i feel like and, and honestly i don't think there ever is and it always focuses on like we're best friends but we're polar opposites yeah um but i do like that when Rachel's not alone in this book, she's either with Cassie or Tobias, kind of showing those relationships a little bit more. Yeah. What I like here that we get the reversal of in number three, when Tobias was down, he went to Rachel. In this, when Rachel is struggling, who does she go to? Tobias. Oh, that's what I was going to say. You were like, I don't know. She didn't say anything. Why did she go talk to him? People do that all the time. You yeah. do that all the time. I, I, I do. I do. I just wanted to poke fun. But yeah, that was. That was I've Today it sucks. Do you want to talk about it? No. No. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Can't you touch you on the back, but okay. Standard conversation. <laughs> Happens maybe once a week. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh. I have a question, though. Sure. Yes. And it, and it came from Rachel becoming an elephant and a grizzly bear. Okay. So we talked about Z-Space and how mass is subtracted. And we, I, you'll have to forgive me if we've already talked about this, because I don't, I don't remember us talking about this. Okay. How is mass gained? Maybe there's stuff in Z-Space that they yeah. borrow. There's, like, bonus material in in z-space that yes but only for patreon subscribers <laughs> um yeah i don't know i don't know if we ever if it ever touches means, on that that means i have access your patreon subscriber yeah. to our non-existent yeah. patreon <laughs> well not to us but i am a patreon subscriber i assume it's like universal if you subscribe to anything oh gotcha can, i see y- you have access to to z-space, z-space. <laughs> yeah good to know <laughs> just Sounds like Just a, a perk. Black Mirror episode. It does Z-space, sound like a Black Mirror. The original cloud storage. <laughs> oh my god, it kind of is. <laughs> the other question that I had was that I've never been in a dressing room in the Gap. <laughs> okay. Me but neither. A lot, of, a lot of dressing rooms that I've been in, you turn around and you lock the door when you go in. But this had sort of like a little revolving door effect to it. Like, how do people walk in, lock the door, and then the next person just walks in? They didn't, they didn't lock, lock the, the door. door. Yeah, I get that. But that, isn't that weird? Like, wouldn't somebody notice that when they're in the, you know, 
stall next to him? Stall? Is it stall? It's stalls. Yes, they're stalls. We have to assume these are unattended dressing rooms. Yeah, I mean... Yeah, but if you're dressing... Like, they... Five people went in in the span of, like... All right, Tim. 20 minutes. Think mall in the 90s. Did you go to any dressing room? No. Okay. They... There would be, like... Upside at least 20 of them. And you gotta think someone at the Gap is a controller. Okay. And it's probably put like an out of order sign or something. Like they're gonna have something to prevent that because there's a lot of people yeah. going into that stall that aren't coming out. Exactly. Like going into that stall and not coming out is the entire purpose of that stall. Yeah. So maybe there's so the, an outer the order anamorphs go in on this <laughs> on it. That so said, like my first thought was to go and like hang out and watch and see if anybody goes into dressing room stalls and doesn't come out. And then I thought of how ultra super creepy it would be if I just went and hung out by dressing rooms. Yes. So I decided against that. There you are. Nobody pays attention to what other people are doing in dressing rooms except creepy people. <laughs> and kids that read but, Animorphs and then would always be like, are your feet still yeah. under there? <laughs> this actually does explain. I could not remember why I always hated the gap. This actually came, it came back to me. This is why. Yeah. Um... Because, indeed, Yerks did fall into the gap. Oh, my God. Oh, nice. Yep, that, that, was, <laughs> that was a good, good. one. Thanks. Uh, but, yeah, like, to the point where if I go, even to this day, if I go to the mall with friends who want to try stuff on, when it's time for them to go to the dressing rooms, I will go to GameStop or somewhere that is not weird for me to <laughs> hang out and wait. I do not care if there are chairs by the dressing rooms. I do not care what the situation is and how normalized hanging out by the dressing room is, especially if it's like unisex dressing rooms or if I'm with, even just if I'm with a female friend, I do not want to be weird, balding white dude standing (laughs) by the dressing room where all the women are. No, that's a good call. That is a, this should be on a t-shirt. It should be like one of those like guide to life, like, Number 25 rule of life is don't be the creepy guy outside the dressing room. I actually have this theory, and it holds very true. Well, maybe a little less so now that GameStops are more freestanding, but up until about, I'd argue even as late as like 2012, this was still true. If you went into a mall, GameStop would be within two storefronts of Victoria's Secret. (laughs) 85% of the time, GameStop was no more than two doors down from Victoria's Secret. I... I'm oh. even thinking of the mall. Yeah, I, I don't know. I, no, that's I, still I, probably very I, legit. Because I think might be. the GameStop that's in, uh, uh, I'm just going to say, t- I think it's still not too far from Victoria's Secret. Nope. And like the furthest one I know of is in and go ahead and get your tuba sound effect ready. <laughs> Uh, and it's like half the, a third of the length of the mall away. Yeah, they're not but too far. But it's not that far and they're on the same floor. Yeah. Interesting choice. Yeah. Every time I go into a mall from now on, I'm going to check that. Like I said, I think it's a little less true now just with the death of malls. Yeah. yeah Somebody bought true. my hometown mall this week and has announced plans to renovate it. And I'm just thinking, Why? you hate having money. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, I want to talk about Marco a little bit in this book. Okay. Yes. 
so I, I highlighted a few things. This is the first book since his that doesn't realize, or that someone doesn't realize that his mom is Visitor One. Um, so we get some hints that at least the group is kind of realizing that Marco is a little bit more into it, and that something happened. But like, they kind of assume it's because his dad's starting to get it together, so he's a little less worried about leaving his dad. Yeah. Um, but then there's also the moment where like. Marco and Tobias are the ones that figure out this entrance by following Chapman around. Which at first I was like, when the fuck is Chapman mentioned in this book? But <laughs> apparently I just remembered. Um, it was like one time. And the realization hits either Cassie or Rachel or both of them at the same time that it's because Marco is letting Jake kind of have a break. And as much of as like a douchebag he seems in the first few books, Marco's definitely a good guy in these. In this one, yes. Also, while we're on the subject of Chapman, may I introduce this this book's Chapman casting? Sure. sure. Steve Carell. Nope, that's a good one. Yeah, that is a good one. He would do that's it really well. Yep. Logic here being the idea of him being staked out by a pair of teenage anamorphs or preteen anamorphs and not realizing it reminds me very much of Maxwell Smart from yeah. Get Smart. Yeah. And Don Adams is unfortunately dead and has been for like a decade. <laughs> and I just made myself sad. I'm sorry. <laughs> um, so Steve Carell, who played Smart, who played Maxwell Smart in the incredibly underrated Get Smart movie. He's got a new movie out that it took me way too long to realize that it was him. And it really took until I can't even remember what it's called. It's definitely geared towards, like, Oscar season stuff. Yeah. I don't think I've seen him in anything since Get Smart, but... That's a little unfortunate, because... I'm bad at movies. Crazy Stupid (sighs) Love is, like, one of the best movies ever. Never seen it. You should. Emma Stone is amazing. I do like Emma Stone. She was the only good thing about La La Land. Welcome to Minds of York, Alex's La La Land hate cast. I've only seen about 20 minutes of it and switched over to something else. So you're good. It only gets worse. Like you think, you think eventually it's going to be this whole, oh no, he's a douchebag and she's going to realize it and it's going to be fun to watch. No. That sounds about right. And then you spend half the movie trying to figure out who'd do a better job than him. And you finally realize, oh, Arthur Darvel would have been the right call. And there goes the only fun distraction you had from his horrible character. Wow. Who is it? Ryan Gosling? Yes. Oh, that's unfortunate because they have a lot of chemistry and crazy stupid love. So talking about Visser 1. Yeah. uh, They didn't really seem to like stand on the point very much when it was pointed out in the future that Visser 3 was Visser 1. And it kind of made me think that Marco would have flipped out a little bit because that pretty much all but ensures that his mom is dead. At least well, in my opinion. Maybe not like 100% certain, but that's where I would have taken it. Had this been from his perspective, I'm sure we would have gotten that. Yeah. But uh, Rachel was true. distracted by future Rachel. That's true. That's and true. also... I want to call her something else. Alternate universe Rachel. I don't think it's the future. I think it's an alternate universe. It's the fifth dimension, right? They say the six past? humans. They're both surprised yes. to see X. Yeah. It's I, a different... It's it's a different universe. Okay, I haven't finished Dark Matter yet, but I think it's the same 
same concepts it's, as brought in and i got lots of thoughts about dark matter you need to finish so oh, i can remember them I, okay all right i personally prefer a model of any kind of future st- storytelling in which all potentials are future potentials and if you all you, potential futures are hang on i'm going to use words in a right order <laughs> <laughs> where all possible futures are potential futures that, given the right circumstances, could happen, but none of which are set in stone. I'm yeah. sorry. There in is which... no future where Rachel remembers this and looks surprised to see Axe. Uh, but yeah, that's what I'm saying. Something uh, in the closed time loop, something changed. Something yeah. got mixed There's up. And so a that's... human that was supposed to be brought on that didn't. But if that... If that change didn't happen, whatever it was, I don't know why I'm doing this little finger thing. I like but it. If that change, <laughs> I talk with my um, head, so. Uh, if, if that change hasn't happened, then you end up with the cycle just continuing. So maybe it was the influence of the Elemist or something that, like, maybe that first visit changed things or something somehow. Or maybe somewhere in the roughly decade between here and then, Axe dies and they find another human who can morph and... X becomes yeah. like just a memory, and by the time they are betrayed to Visser Three, now one, in this alternate possible future timeline, whatever. Uh, but Rachel uh, remembers this moment. Well, th- my first thought, honestly, was that uh, the 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 lady that bumped Jake, I think it was Jake that she bumped, and he said something. So then X goes into Andalite form. Like, maybe that event didn't happen the first time through the loop, so that it was actually six human figures that walked up. And that might have been oh, the reason the way that you're... Gr- that was That was what I sort of... Would Rachel... I don't know why. Because it was the Yurk. It wasn't really Rachel. It was the Yurk living off of Rachel's memories, and maybe it just didn't... Process that it could transfer. also be the axe. Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. a good way of thinking of it. Yeah. But I don't know what the significance of that... I, I'm not even sure that that's 100% true. That's just kind of what I got from it. Yeah. All that said, I do think this could easily be like the Marvel. Any future you travel into is a parallel future, yeah. like Meg was saying. Yeah. So. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, so I looked up the gymnastics coach that they mentioned. Gymnasty. Yes. I'm not saying that. To see if it was <laughs> a real James coach. James Nasty. James Nasty, correct. To see if it's a real coach. <laughs> And I don't recommend looking it up because oh no, well it's not a real coach, but everything that they have about the coach alludes to where the coach is located, and that annoyed me because I definitely couldn't pick up in the book any idea of where I thought the dad was moving. I don't, you know what? I don't think it was mentioned, but for whatever reason, I had it in my head that he was moving to Denver. I had it in my head Denver too. Same maybe they did here. say Denver. Yeah, maybe they did no, say Denver at some point. But they, they definitely didn't say don't. Denver, but they said high mountains with a sports team, yeah. including a baseball team. They specifically okay. talked about making fun of umpires, which is a very baseball thing. Well, then that's weird because I never like <sighs> consciously thought, like, oh, they're talking about Denver. Like, it just was in my head that he was moving to Denver. It's like that subliminal stuff. In which, yeah. to be fair, I do believe Denver is probably a thousand miles at least from where they're located yeah but it is not where all the wikipedias hint that this coach lives so it's very strange and i don't know where that little tidbit comes from because i highly Hmm. doubt this coach is ever brought up again 
I really thought you were going to say I don't recommend looking up the coach because she borrowed the name from a porn star. No. I, that's what no. I thought, too. And I expected another... Tim to start making Chuck references. <laughs> More than anything, I'm just like, don't look things up, Tim, because it might give no, something yeah, away. I don't. I don't. What was the porn virus name in Chuck? I forget. The Vicky... No, it's no, not Vicky Vale. The... the, the, the hmm. Well, time for a Chuck rewatch. Yeah, yeah. That's just Google name of virus in Chuck. I noticed you left the word porn out. (laughs) That's what the other laptop, Irena Demova. (laughs) Say it again. It's the Irena Demova virus. Okay. Yeah. I said Irena the first time, but it's an E on the end, not an E. So here's another possible way in which Axe might not have made it to Rachel's memory. We know Axe has a soft spot for food. Okay. What would happen to Axe if he walked into a Chipotle and ate all of the E. coli? Uh, we know uh, We know that morphing will heal physical wounds. But it's not going to purge all the E. coli out of your system. Not if a yerk is going to stay wrapped around your brain. That's true. That's true. So I really think cause of death for Axe, honestly, probably in any reality, is a bad burrito. When did Chipotle come into existence? Uh, Earlier on the West Coast than on the East Coast, I'm going to bet. Is Chipotle mentioned in this book? No, No, but it was mentioned in my mind. (laughs) Because I mean, I might have read this after listening to this week's My Brother, My Brother I was about and to Me. Say. Um, 1993. Okay. Yep, it would have been around. Yeah. Whether or not it would have been around. And the first 16 were all in Colorado. Interesting. Uh, oh, this explains so much, too. McDonald's was a major investor of theirs. Yeah, but that was recently, wasn't it? They divested themselves in 2008. Oh, no, it wasn't recently then. No, they invested in 1998. So maybe that's where all the food poisoning came from. (laughs) McDonald's just Uh, offloaded. Yeah. And had to go somewhere. Do you guys remember when McDonald's used to be in Walmarts? Used to be what? In Walmarts. Yes, there's still one in a Walmart near me. Oh, the last one that I remember, uh, last time I went to that Walmart, which was probably 10 years ago. So maybe back in there again, didn't have it. But that's what I used to think of when I read this book. I don't know why. Like, I, something about the, like, so a yerk Walmart in my mind was roughly was the Walmart? size of a Walmart. <laughs> <laughs> and thus the indoor McDonald's. No, I, I dig that. I dig that, that, that Walmarts are yerkfuls. I want to hear more about this open-air outdoor McDonald's concept that was implicit to that statement. As opposed to, like, a standalone McDonald's. Okay. (laughs) You said indoor McDonald's. I'm like, wait a minute. Am I missing some sort of outdoor McDonald's dining experience? The McDonald's, the Walmart in my hometown, you go back past the drinks. There was a fucking McDonald's, like, in the store, and it was always really weird to me. No, no, I know exactly what you mean. There was one in my hometown, too. There is one at the Walmart geographically nearest me. 
I, I have a subway. Well, there's maybe not nearest me now. Definitely not nearest me now. Nearest my old apartment. Gotcha. So yeah, just in case you're wondering what Kid Megan thought of when she thought of York Pulls, it was definitely a Walmart. I mean, you could definitely hide some Yorks in uncooked chicken nugget goo, and no one would know. That's so gross. Well, maybe that's the stuff that the Yerk Pool is made up of. I was going like, to say maybe, maybe they they're actually made around. of Yerk. I mean, maybe. They've got to do something with the dead Yerks. Okay, we're talking about old McDonald's because they've now said that they are actually chicken. Yeah, I think they were always chicken. Just okay. not the part you'd want a lot of the time. As but they have old now McDonald, come out in the last... <laughs> had a farm. Had a farm. Yerk, yerk Nugget. E-I-E-I-O. And on that farm, he had some yurks. E-I-E-O. I was trying to remember, well, Timrush411. Yeah. The Tinder is the best part of the yurk, I think. I think I heard that. I don't know. I like yurk flank. I literally just ate dinner. Can we not do this? But yerk, lacking yerk. legs, lacking legs, yurks do not have butts. So, <laughs> yerk, let's see. You think yurks? But well, obviously they don't have any bones. No, so they'd I have... be boneless yurk. Yeah, like without any extra work. Like I imagine the way you prepare a yurk is really sort of a quick saute, flash fry. So Kendrona rays. Yeah. Are they radiation? You could probably cook them with Candrona rays too, uh, if you turn it up too high. I'm sure you could roast one for Thanksgiving. Mm. Are Candrona rays like radiation? Because could... it's very high up on this building. Yeah. And the Yerk Pool is underground. Well, I'm sure it's some sort of radiation. I don't know if yeah. it'd be like harmful to human radiation, but it. it that was seems my next like question: Is sort of... are all the animals yeah. going to die of radiation poisoning now? Uh. Hmm. Hmm. If the other thing is like, that was a big like uh, a big move dumping the thing like that could be like a nuclear device or something and you just kind of threw it on the ground and we'll see how it how it goes you know I mean X seemed to have some working knowledge there X is a child that's That's also true which makes the whole which makes the whole passing X as Visser three even funnier (laughs) I did enjoy that yes like like, it's like at least ten years in the future. And that so he's still got like this child Andalite, which Visor Three was never a child when he was a Visor, and like just three Andalites stacked on top of each other in a trench coat. <laughs> That's exactly what he is. I'm so drawing like, that this time. There you go. The, uh, the difference would be that real Visor Three has the goatee and the mustache, like the Mirror Universe Andalite or something. There and go. he's got like. Lighter blue at the temples and sort of <laughs> in the, the the beige patch going down his torso. Yeah, and definitely a like beer it's belly. A little gray at the top. He's starting to get like yeah. a river belly. Oh yeah, he's Visser Three by that point has a total dad bod. No, no, no. He's gone past dad bod. He's starting to like think about Java. <laughs> I don't know. Do we know how old Andalites age to be? No, no, this was a discussion actually in an Animorphs group was like, how old are Animorphs or Andalites? And uh, I don't think anybody could actually pull like solid evidence, but we'll have to see. 
as we, we go We get on. to make podcast canon right now. I say they live to be a thousand. But is that Andalite years or is that human years? That's actually dog years. Ah, dog gotcha. years. Gotcha. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They, they work off the same calendar. While we're on funny moments, may I enter into the record the funniest single image in this book? Yes, you may. After the Elemus shows up and freezes time and Tobias is back in his human body. Oh, yes, absolutely. <laughs> this Tobias. is Tobias. <laughs> yes. Tobias shrugged his human shoulders. He held up his hands to stare at his own fingers. It is me, he said, sounding like he doubted it. My old body, here. I ran to him. I don't really know why, I just did. I wanted to touch him, to know he was real. Ah, 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 he yelled. He jumped back and suddenly threw his arms up and down. He was flapping, trying to get away, trying to fly. I had scared him by rushing at him. So just picture the whole scene. You have Taxon tongue frozen in the air. All of them demorphed, wondering what the fuck is going on. Tobias magically there, surrounded by the Yerk pool and all of that in underground Yerk McDonald's. Yerk Donald's, if you will. (laughs) Yerk Donald's. (laughs) And there's this 12-year-old blonde kid jumping up and down, flapping his arms, trying to take off. I mean, can you blame him? No, no, no. I, I thought that was the most honest response that anybody yes. would probably have. That's probably 100% exactly what he would do. And I don't like, it's not like the derogatory of that's funny, but man, that's funny. But and it's the kind of funny I love that is this super tense situation. And like, like yep. you said, a really earnest response. Yes. But yep. in that moment, it is so fucking funny that it yep. just breaks all the tension. Yep. Absolutely. And poor Tobias just overall, like, he gets turned back human twice in this book only to be put yeah. back as a bird and it's just like we don't really get a sense of how he feels about it well he made the obviously i'm sure he would rather go well i shouldn't say obviously but i feel like he would rather go back but he does make the decision that for the greater good this is not how know. things should go i don't know it's now been at least a few months i don't know that is like kind of the burning question of like which one does he want to be yeah and we won't find out for a long time because we don't got tobias but that next that does make like an interesting thought about the the passage of time in regards to that you know in 10 years will he be okay being the bird you know what i'm saying like will that just be who he is and he does he doesn't miss the old life anymore I don't get the sense he misses the old life much now. No, I think if he misses anything, it's the what could have been. Right. Yeah. No, that makes sense. And probably a good fucking burger. He would make a really good ornithology professor. He would. Mr. Three said he cooked it. That was terrible. And And then fed him to the other animorphs. I want my Toby back, Toby back, no, Toby back. No, fuck back, you. Back, fuck you. <laughs> I quit. I hate this so much. Vissers, Toby back no. ribs. Barbecue sauce. No, fuck you both. It's not me. It's Kay Applegate. She's the one who said that Visser 3 cooked him with barbecue sauce. He did. And Rachel he ate did. a leg. Yep. 
<laughs> oh, that made my day. So, they make the decision to not go with the eldest. And yes. they're put back in the taxon body. Yep. In the middle of York Donald's. Mm-hmm. In kind of a weird war situation. And yet... I can't remember what book, if they ever do realize that these are kids, but, like, how can you not kind of realize that they are human? Well, they said that they were only half morph by the time they came out. Okay. And I guess that's kind of a vague, like, but maybe they just look like blue. big roach. Yeah. I don't know. I'm not arguing, but maybe they were still, like, roachy enough that it didn't. God, roachy enough. Yeah, like they just look like big brooches with man arm. Um, also, would anyone around who's not an Andalite know and understand the rules of morphing? I mean, this is also true. They might just think that they morphed into people, not yeah, knowing. Yeah, try to you blend in. Morph. Yeah, I feel like the Yurks know some. Uh, maybe. They definitely maybe. talk as humans because I think was... a guy like tries to attack Rachel. That was my first thought too. Was okay if you morph out now, you're you're found out. Yeah. You know, unless you kill everybody. Alternatively, if you are reporting back to Visser Three, and you were saying, "Hey, look, the Andalite warriors were back in here, and they got away." Under which scenario do you <laughs> feel like you're more likely to be forgiven? They were definitely 100% Andalite warriors in your story, or we think they might be 10-year-olds or 12-year-olds. Yeah, that's fair. No, that, that's a good point. The accepted truth is that they're Andalites. Why would you try to mess with that narrative if you're not wanting to sound incredibly pathetic to Visser 3? Which is great, because that means when they all woke up and all were standing up, there was at least one guy who said that. He, he just sort of put everybody's stories together. He was like, all right, guys. When we go report this, they were all giant andalites. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. We're a family. We're not going to talk about this. Yeah. Paul Ryan, definitely a yerk. There you go. It's also the first book where we kind of talk about that, like, morphine, going from morph to human to morph is exhausting. Yeah. Um, We've been there before. Have we? Okay, because I know last yeah. month but they went, like, bug to human to lobster to something there was like a good chain and the exhaustion was never hit on i think they i think they have talked because marco talks about going home and sleeping after that right yeah and there's at least one other book where it may have been it may have been like number two it may have been a rachel book where they talk about it but also here it's from rachel's perspective and she had already morphed and demorphed a couple of times right. before the raid on the building started. So she was pushing herself way past right. and also coming off of another long morphing bender. That's I mean, good. in less than the in the less than 24 hours that this... Well, I guess it's not a crossword because there's a school day. But in the very short window of time that this book takes place, she morphs like eight or nine times. That's fair. I'm trying to do something with Morphing Bender, and I can't. 
I'm workshopping a joke out of that, and it seems like there should be something there. I mean, this well, is this is her PTSD book. We can all agree, right? Like she is losing it. Maybe not to the point that she's going to commit suicide, but you know, the first what five oh, really? are kind of an introduction. Yeah, you know. I didn't She's read very... this as specifically PTSD. Like, they all have some amount of it, and I'm not saying that's okay, not maybe the not. case. But, like, I guess there's the excitement. You embrace that you're in this challenge, and now we've hit a low where things are bad, and maybe everybody's going to have to deal with the fact that they all agreed to, to do this. I think this is the book where she realizes that it's one thing for her decisions to affect her, and for her friends who are making those decisions with her. But the things she chooses will affect everyone, and everyone she cares about in particular. I think that's the thing that really gets under her skin more than anything, is no matter what she chooses in the personal or in the anamorph decision, she's hurting yes. someone she loves. Right. There's no clear right, wrong on the, the decisions and that she has to make. It's God not even a matter of books. moral right and wrong. Right, exactly. Like, at least in the others, there's been a matter of morality, but here it's really damned if you do, damned if you don't. This is where she yeah. realizes that no matter how well she fights, even if she wins, someone loses. Mm -hmm. Do you think they win in the end? That's more, I in, guess, to Tim. In a... In... Okay. I in always the current want... in the current timeline or in the apocalypse timeline. Oh my god, in the current timeline. Then yes, I definitely think they win. I don't think that had I, I think that needed a specific chain of events to occur. So I sort of thought the same thing you did where it's it's not I wouldn't really phrase it as an alternate dimension as much as a possible outcome. Okay. Yeah. I don't remember the entirety of how the series ends, but I do want to and I, the only recollection I have is maybe even a sense of ambiguity, but that could just be fog of time. <laughs> I always want to believe that even if the series doesn't end with a win, that ultimately it will be a win. Well, we had that, me and Megan had that argument about Chuck. Which I know hey, Chuck spoilers, I haven't finished the last okay. season. I'm going to tell right. you right now, it's a little clearer than the Chuck one. <laughs> Uh, but well, uh, to you, but I, I can't do this. I, there's no way I can do this without spoiling. So, Alex, I would like to change the subject. Next time I go on your podcast, Megan, we'll have that debate. <laughs> okay. I would like to change the subject to Hork Bajir linguistics. Okay. Oh, oh. Let me turn to that page because there was one that really stood out to me. I believe. That in the hork tongue, gath, the root at least, gath, means fuck. Do you think the peaceful breed of hork have a word for fuck? Yes. You know, you know, left to their own devices, those hork be nasty. <laughs> My god. <laughs> I'm not going to comment yeah. what I do know. But... Uh, the the heal the Gaffner Andalites is the one that really stuck out to me. Well, there are two. There are two. Kill the Gaffner Andalites, 
And then on the next page, die, Gafferak, die. Yeah, yeah. I believe gaff means fuck, gaffner means fucking, and yeah. Gafferak means motherfucker. Yeah. Okay. I'd agree with all of those. Which would make it kill the fucking Andalites and die, motherfucker, die. Which next time I get mad at somebody, I'm going to call him a fuckerack because I feel like I should speak in half Port Vizier, half human language. Because you're not nerdy enough. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Just going to add to that a little bit. So, gaff, fuck, gaffner, fucking, gafferack, motherfucker. And Gaffner, at some point, I will say Gaffner. Probably unironically. Like, I, I just mean, like that one. That one's gonna, that one's just gonna go in the lexicon there. Hey, as a lighting designer, I love gaffing tape. <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> Careful. I've been using gaffing tape since I was in high school. I used yeah. to impress my professors with my mastery of gaffing tape. Is that how you got good grades? Yeah. In prop design, yeah. (laughs) Also, lighting, technically, because it's really a lighting thing. But the prop design was we had these lanterns, and we needed to get little (laughs) battery-powered votives in them, but the votives were too small to fit in in the actual hole. So I actually lined the hole with gaffing tape. I can't tell if you're being, like, completely sincere i feel like 90 percent of the time if you can't tell with me it means i (laughs) ask Jin. she will vouch that the less plausible the thing i'm saying sounds the more likely it is to be true do y'all remember a tv show called recess a little cartoon i love Recess. okay there was an episode where they were talking about swearing and in in order for the little main kid to not get a not get in trouble for swearing he made up his own swear word and it was womps yep when i watched that episode for years, womps was my favorite swear word after that. And then it developed into saying things like, well, this, you know, this womps my ass, where it just became a swear word again. And like shooting womp rats. Like, like shooting womp rats. But yeah, so, so Gaffner is going to be the new womps, I think. Womp womp. <laughs> wow. Um, okay. Gafferak also makes me think a little bit of Burt Bacharach. I don't know why. Just some of the same morphemes in the two words. Did you say Gaffner or Gafferak? Gafferak. Oh, okay. Gafferak, Bacharach. Yeah, I heard Gaffner and I was like, I don't. Okay. You said Gaffner, Tim. I did say Gaffner. Active listening. Active listening. I am incapable. That doesn't happen. I don't know if it's because I'm a male, but I know that I am incapable of it. This is fair. Well, you just argued with the one woman on the show, so <laughs> asked and answered. No, that wasn't an argument. That was. A, I don't know if that's the root cause of it. I just know that I fail at it. Maybe sometimes it's best not to argue. Not an argument. It's a mere statement that it may just be me personally. Who I is... wish podcasts were a video format so that people could see the look on Tim's face. <laughs> We've reached the end of my notes. Okay. Oh, I got the end of my notes. Oh, I got a few more. The show. I got a few okay, more. Cool. Hang on. Go. Oh, you've got more. Go yeah. So, there is a mention of DNA is not affected by injuries, so injuries do not follow you from one morph to another. 
exhaustion does. Okay. Does that mean that all scars go away? Like, this is something that I've really, like, wrestled with because Cassie shows a scar, but it's also implied that, like, you go back to your base DNA, which would not include scars. Yeah, I think we talked about something. We probably like did. We talked about hair dye. Before. Is that what it was? Yeah. Yes. Yeah, there was something similar to this. I asked whether Rachel dyed her hair. And I think we came to the conclusion that it would go back to her normal hair color. Right, which is why she couldn't possibly on... yeah. have dyed it. So is, I, w yeah. I would think, like, you know, there's like a part of me that wants to say if there's a scar, when you obtained the power to morph, you would have it. But by all the rules that have been laid out, it seems like you would not. All right, let me ask this question. If Rachel, as Rachel, got her hand cut off and morphed and demorphed, would her hand grow back? That's what We've I'm asking. We've only yes. seen the animals get hurt. Or yes. get hurt. But I feel like by all, like, everything that's been stated so far in the book, they haven't, like, outright said that. But I feel like that's what they've hinted towards, that that's the case. That so, you would go back to your original DNA state. Almost like the, the teleporter thing. Like, you aren't really, you're going back to you at day one, not at whatever day you went into the morgue. Well, then they would sense. never, ever age. That's a good point. And clearly Rachel ages. My guess... Or she no is longer that the, morphs. Or she no longer morphs. But why would, as the Yerk, she not morph when she needed firepower? Why would she need firepower when oh. the entire world's been taken over? There yeah, are other that's worlds. Same thing, they couldn't... If she's still on Earth the, at the moment... She couldn't attack herself. Because of paradox. Well, yeah. Adult Rachel couldn't attack baby Rachel. Yeah. Yep. And by that same logic, she couldn't attack the other Animorphs because it would have caused time problems. And neither could Visser 3 slash 1. Yes. Also, the other way, Marco's mom could have still been alive as if she had been promoted into the Council of 13. That's Just a good point. That's also true. Note. No, that's a good point. That's yeah. a good point. Or if she'd managed to find a way to get the jerk out of her. Yeah. Yeah. So it's it's not like, it's just kind of how I read it. No, it's a yeah. good question. But it, it, it wasn't overtly stated. It's not something that Rachel's going to think about. Right, because she doesn't. But, yeah, that's true. That's a good point. That's something I didn't think about either. But it was, it's not a Marco book, so yeah. we wouldn't know what Marco thought. Uh, my next note comes from a conversation that I had with Alex this weekend, because I can't post it because it has spoilers for, for Animorphs. But uh, let's see here. Uh, it's just that hungry owls have been known to go after hawks. It doesn't happen a lot, but owls scare me. I know everyone sees cute cartoon owls and think they all they do is say hoot hoot and act wise. But let me tell you, I've watched owls work. They aren't cute. They're tough. I don't ever want to have a fight with one. Hey. We had a discussion on, well, there was a discussion in a group on which is better, Animorphs or Harry Potter. And someone put together this really wonderful thing that hopefully I'll keep track of by the time we end this uh, and one of them was like, they know that you can't keep fucking owls as pets. And this meant it also, also, Harry Potter doesn't know what a fucking thermal is. Yeah, that's true too. Um, do you think wherever the Elemis lives that there are actually butterflies? No. 
Do you know what I'm referencing? I don't have. No. Okay. I, I have nothing to like support that. <laughs> but like, I just assume he's from a. What about or... metaf no. metaphoric butterflies? Metaphysical. Meta uh, maybe maybe there's something or maybe there's something similar wherever they come from. But I just they seem like out outer worldly, like not necessarily trapped by the confines of a planet. I mean, they're the Watchers. Yeah. So I don't know that I would... I don't, I don't really tag like them to a home world. Do you guys have the Which, line, ha ha ha, as I said, you're a primitive race and yet you're capable of learning from the Elemist? Yeah. Yes. I have that in my book. I literally yeah. did not remember this line and for whatever reason, it felt really weird from what I remember of the Elemist. So... Yeah, it's it really seem weird that he would like dance around all this stuff. I mean, there's reasons about trying to help them, and then at the end he'd be like, "Yep, uh, it's helping you." But it ties back to something he said earlier, as he was showing the world. One of the things he said is, "Your race is capable of learning." Yep. Yeah. And that was yep. like his thesis introduction to his whole spiel. Yeah. It ties back in as much as it is him saying, "It it's." I think maybe it's a little too subtle to totally play, but I really read it as sort of tying back in the, okay, he said this earlier because he wanted them to pay attention and learn from what they were seeing. Right. You know, you say that it, it's, it might be too subtle to play. And I would agree with that. If you were only going to read this book one time and not sit and have a podcast and talk <laughs> about it. But if you're like, I, I think it does work if you like are on a second reading or if you're sitting here talking about it now, it plays pretty well. It definitely or if plays you're a well weirdo, in the room. Yeah. If you're a weirdo, you catch it. Yeah. I'm very excited to also dive true. more into the Elemist, and I can't wait for him to come back. I'm telling you, I wish I could read it right now. Maybe you'll see him before then. Maybe. I hope so. Um, I hope. Is that my last Let me see. Who would we cast as the Elemist? Morgan Freeman. Fuck, that's good. With a beard. A didn't long beard. He, didn't he get in trouble for? Oh, that's right. He did. No, I I don't know. Yeah. Did he? Yeah. He did. Oh, didn't know that. Stephen Fry. What about a? I mean, Stephen Fry always works for me, but. Yeah. Hang on, I'm trying to remember his name. James Earl Jones. Is dead. Somebody with a. Oh, is he? James Earl Jones is not dead. Oh. Um. Somebody with a, like, one of those big distinct voices would be the, you know what I'm saying? No, you Maybe know who'd the, be perfect? The Bradley Whitford. Voice. James Earl Jones is not dead, huh? The, the Bradley Whitford might be good. The the guy that does uh, Archer's voice. I was totally kidding about that one, but it would be fun. <laughs> Do you want yurks? This is how you get yurks. <laughs> I like James Earl Jones. Yeah, that'd be a good one. I like Bradley Whitford. I mean, I'd have that's to. Funny. I don't remember Bradley Whitford doing voiceover stuff. I remember him in movies. That's so I'd fine. have to like, yeah, uh, it, it's not bad, but I'd have to but sort of like. He's he's very good at simultaneously being kindly and sinister. But is the Elmus yeah. sinister? No, but he needs to have that element. He's scheming, and I think it works best yeah. if they read him that way, because that makes it make sense when they buy Axe's whole, oh no, you don't want to mess with this yeah. gaffer act. And the way they're initially like not sure if they should trust or 
or not. You want to have a little bit of that. Oh, he's you don't the dad and get out. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Yes. It's like, why? what have I seen with him recently? That explains Get that. out. Cabin in the Woods, not the West Wing. Yeah. Cabin in the Woods is so good. Such a good movie. If there's a horror movie and Bradley Whitford is in it, it's probably worth seeing. That's a fair statement. Okay. Oh, I got so, one uh, more. Oh, wait. Oh, all right. We're not moving on. Sorry. Last comment is the fight Rachel has as a bear where she said everybody later, everybody thought I was being brave. But you know what the truth is? With my weak bear eyesight, all I could see was a blur. I thought they were humans. I wasn't brave. I was just blind. I feel like that sums up Rachel quite a bit for the rest yeah. of the series. Running guns blazing. Yep. Yep. And maybe is not actually seeing anything. Yeah. So. Good one. All right. Uh, so, Alex, do you have a, a money-making scheme for us this week? Well, I do. I actually have... I had a money-making scheme I was workshopping. I don't think it's entirely viable. So I've okay. got a money-making scheme, and I've got a little bit of a PR opportunity for a maligned species. Okay. First off, with football season upon us... Oh, no. I think we could use our morphing technology to morph into mice and sell our services letting the air out of footballs. We could each take a turn being a deflator mouse. <laughs> oh, there it is. Man, I was wondering where we were going with that one. Yeah. That's two that's been good tonight. Yeah. <laughs> um, also, as a public service announcement, the blobfish has been unfairly characterized as the ugliest species on Earth, or at least one of. And blobfish are not actually ugly. Blobfish are bottom feeders, essentially, that live so far under sea level that they actually don't have float bladders like normal fish because the pressure of the water would crush them. So instead, to maintain buoyancy, they coat themselves in a gelatinous goo that is less dense than water, so they actually stay off the bottom. But because of this, because of their bizarre physiology, when you bring them above sea level... Uh, basically, the lack of air pressure causes extreme rapid decompression, and that is why they look so ugly. They do ah. not, in fact, look like the love child of a used condom and Ted Cruz. Wow. <laughs> that is a cultural reference that is not simply yeah. mine. Okay. Um, you can thank the New York Daily News. <laughs> Wow. Okay. They, in fact, look much more like their typical bony fish brethren when they're actually underwater. That is all. So just like a PSA, right. you like blobfish? No, just I think it's unfair that they... This is where the weird animal trivia goes. I didn't have any mouse-related trivia to go with the whole deflator mouse thing. <laughs> so instead, you get 
that and this blobfish trivia. All right. Blobfish, not actually that ugly. We'll find a good picture of a blobfish like a before and after. I mean, there's... I've got one here that is an artist rendering of two blobfish mating. No. That's not necessary. That kind of sounds like something we would post, though. It... We'll 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 discuss that later, and we'll, we'll here, I'll just, get the best I'll just go ahead and drop it in the chat here. Oh, it won't let okay. me. That's weird. Oh, it's because I'm in full oh. screen. Yes. I'll share it with you guys later. It's not actually yeah. graphic or anything. You just know. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, that's fun. Uh, yep. We'll put the fanfic in at this spot then. Yeah, Jenna will come and join us for fanfic. It's the week okay. before Dragon Con. This, cause, yeah, this it's the week out. of Dragon no, Con. It's the week it's of the week Dragon, Dragon Con. We've got yeah. stuff starting tomorrow. Uh, okay, that's true. Oh, we did just go through that before starting. So, Jen is uh, getting ready for that. If you're going to be at Dragon Con, go find her. Uh, okay, so predictions for the next book. The next book is not... Oh, yeah, the next book's in, not normal. It's not in numerical order. It's my first time reading a Megamorph. Um, which I'm guessing sort of would work like a comic book annual, like a, a a sort of bigger story. Yeah, not a bad way of thinking of it. Yeah, that's kind of it's... so. It'll be a little off pace, but I'm betting it'll be sort of sort of in the same vein. It'll be the maybe some some talk about how they receive their powers. I think that it's was... called the Andalite's gift. Oh, so that's yeah. I was gonna say that was number one. <laughs> yeah, no, no, no. I think we'll revisit some of that. Uh, and then probably fight Visser 3 and probably have a bigger than normal fight scene. I mean, How I much Chapman like... do you think? Yeah. I feel like none. But no I also Chapman. don't know. I don't know how this will be told. I don't know if this is, since it's out of the cycle, will it be told by Jake? Which would be my guess. But I don't know. Maybe it's not. I mean, uh, I was about to tell you, and I'm very glad you asked. So now oh. I'm just going to let you figure it out. Don't okay. it. Maybe it's not written from the perspective of one of them. Maybe it's written from outside. But it's my first thought is, is that it's down on all of them. Yeah, yeah, there you go. Maybe it's all from the perspective of the morphing cube. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's it. That's my predictions for. I think an annual is the best way to look at it especially yeah. just comic book fans, because number eight's going to address the fallout of seven. Because in number seven, I mean, our kids win. They do something good. Like, it's not over, obviously. we still got 69 more books to go. But yeah. they've won a battle. What do you think the fallout of that is going to be? Oh, uh, in number eight? I mean, yeah, because I got a well, feeling... Well, that Kandrota generator fell out. I got a feeling yeah. that uh, the the Megamorphs is going to be batshit enough that we might as well talk about number eight while number yeah. seven's still um, fresh on your mind. They make a, a comment about the next, you know, three weeks before the new Kandrona shows up, and then he even says, but that's a different story. So I'm guessing that story is going to be number eight of how they find out exactly how they hurt the Yerks what the because they say initially they didn't notice any change mm-hmm. but then over a, a while they did they realized so, they hurt them more than they thought they had 
Yeah. So that'll probably be book number eight. Is exactly how did they hurt them, and what can they do to, you know, maintain that pressure that they've put on them so far? Did you? Maybe they'll try and st- stop the new Candrona from coming in. Did you look to see who is uh, narrating number eight? No. Okay. But I assume it's Tobias. Okay. Cool. Okay. I think that's everything we needed to cover. You guys have anything else? Hey, Alex, what are you up to this weekend? Well, I will be at Dragon Con along with Jen. We will be attending as press, and you can check out our coverage through Panelology. Uh, I'm just going to say at panelologypodcast.com. I imagine at least some of what we do will show up in our podcast feed, though, if not most of it. What about you, Meg? What do you have going on? I will not be at Dragon Con this week because I don't live in anywhere near Dragon Con anymore. Uh, but you can find me on my other three podcasts, which are all great. Judging Book Covers, which is a bi-weekly book club. Fabulous is about to start talking. Oh, shit, I got to do that tonight. Start talking about Baba Yaga. Uh, and Handbook for sorry, Handbook Podcast is still going through Gate. And the least sex-filled sex book ever. It's to the point Elle and I have made bets on when we think actual sex is going to happen. Okay. How about you, Tim? Where will you be this weekend? I will be in the audience at the Panelology Dragon Con panel. Uh, So feel free to come by and hang out with me and watch <laughs> watch a really good dragon con panel i'm sorry yeah i just had this image of like someone sitting down being like i listened to you on minds at your contend me like yeah. i'm never speaking again <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> just one long uh, yeah yep <laughs> so expect that when you do that but now everybody should come down it'll be fun good panel sweet um all right. Uh, also, Meg, you said you're going to do Baba Yaga? Uh... Yeah. <laughs> Any John Wick? You were the second person to ask me that, and I don't uh, understand yeah. why you guys were trying to make me watch this movie where a dog dies. So that should answer that question, but also we haven't decided what our second... Well, we have decided what our second movie is, but we haven't done that episode, so it might change. So two things. One... My first thought when you said Baba Yaga... Yes, I know. It's everybody's first thought. Except for my me, first thought cuz I haven't actually watched John Wick. My first thought when you said Baba Yaga was Ant-Man and the Wasp. Thank you. Two, here is my experience with John Wick. I started watching it. I decided I could not watch long enough to see the dog die. So I stopped it as he and the dog got in the car and in my mind it is a short film about a man <laughs> learning to love a dog to overcome his grief. I like that. I kind of like the Alex cut of John Wick. Yeah, it's better. It's kind of fun. Movies no. I have improved through editing. John Wick, <laughs> It Follows. I uh, haven't seen It Follows. Either version. Either the Alex version or the real version. I've Here's seen the it thing. Follows. Start It Follows. When the title comes on the screen, stop It Follows. <laughs> I like, like It Follows. Six, seven minutes before the title comes on. Amazing short film about being sexualized by society's gays. Yeah. Everything after that, 
messy and isn't sure if sex is good or bad or not. It's a horror story uh, about how teens shouldn't have sex because STDs are bad. And when you die, the STD goes back to the person. You can never get rid of it. Wow. Yeah, it's really weird. I don't like it. The sound, the soundtrack's cool. I'm not going to lie. I get it confused frequently with Unfriended. So maybe I just really liked Unfriended and didn't like it follows. There's also a really great similar movie that was in uh, one of those horror fests that I also get it confused with. I probably watched all three of these one weekend and that's why that's happening. Colossal is very good if you have not seen it. It's on my list. It's about a woman who might also be a kaiju. Oh, <laughs> seems like a a pretty easy like. No, you're not a kaiju. Is it? Yeah, maybe not. Apparently not. Apparently, you could get those confused person and kaiju. We do have listener questions. Oh right. We have no new reviews, which is a little sad. We do have listener questions. We have an email from Ian, which I have trimmed down a little bit just for time. Uh, much of it was comments reading along the uh, on the Predator, which was last issue's last episode's book. Two episodes uh, ago. Two was that two episodes ago? Uh-huh. Okay. Um, but a few things. He did find a source for the quote about ants and nuclear weapons. Oh, sweet. It is from a real book by Bert Holdobler and Edward O. Wilson. Uh, the Journey of the Ants, a story of scientific exploration through Belknap Press. Sounds like a uh, page turner. <laughs> it does. Uh... Thoughts during the podcast episode as he was listening. He's reading them in ebook format. If anyone has trouble finding a physical copy of them, there's a site he's using. With a disclaimer, don't pirate media. I haven't actually clicked this to see if it is, in fact, pirating media. And I'm going to check that before I say it. <laughs> yeah, I'm not sure I'm actually going to read that on the air. Uh... He says, I don't think the kids are old enough where they've figured out their own sexuality yet, so Marco might be bi, but who knows about any of them? That's fair. Yeah, that's true. I mean, we have Just... some confessions of love going on. Okay, but we know that at the very least, Jake and Cassie are interested in each other. We don't know that neither of them is bi. That's fair. All we have sure. is the heteronormative read. That would have been yeah. considered the standard assumption at the time these were written. Yeah. And even today, through, you know, erasure, would still be treated as yeah, I, the standard assumption. I'm okay if if no, if no someone... I can understand being angry if at the idea of, like, that coming out after the books, because I don't think it is ever actually addressed in the book. Um, right. So, like, yeah, if that's not your read, if that's not what you want to read totally get yeah which i think it's good i think it's a fair point that you know who knows yeah um certainly i think if it is important to you that your books be representative that you get it on the page in some way shape or form and maybe also don't ignore it in subsequent media adaptations 
I'd be happy to give you plenty of book recommendations with bi characters that aren't actually just killed. Yeah. Uh, he continues, just like the debate of how a dog would wear pants, how would an Andalite wear pants? The answer, not well. I would reference everyone back to our <laughs> Facebook page and Instagram feed at Minds at Yerk, in which you can see uh, both my depiction of that and also... I don't think we've talked yet about Christina Spinks's fan art for the show. She's drawn us some Andalites, yeah. which are very good. One might say they are Andalightful. <laughs> I guess one Why would. Why would anyone say anything else from now on? I guess one would. Lack of class, I think. <laughs> and then finally, Ian's last, uh, Ian's last point here. Guys, guys, please believe me when I tell you that animals' legs don't bend backward. And he links to an article that has a great diagram clarifying that misconception. And he is correct, of course. Most animals who we think of as having backward bent legs, what we think of as their elbows or, or knees, are in fact their wrists. Uh, this is something that came up recently on My Brother, My Brother and Me, since we mentioned it earlier as well. Uh, they talk about horses walking on their toes. <laughs> Basically, right. everything from that bend down is a finger. Oh. And this is true of other animals with quote-unquote backward knees. That's so really, yeah. what is the true elbow? Is it what we would consider shoulder height? Really, what is the shoulder is actually up against the back at the top of the animal. Uh, in what, if you were a butcher, you would think of, say, in a pig as the butt. The shoulder is really the... the uh, where the leg bone connects to the hip bone. And, uh, yeah, everything is basically shifted one, and most animals walk on their toes, which is even more terrifying if you look at this diagram. <laughs> uh, I honestly did not know that. If you want to Google Digitrade, that's D-I-G-I-T-R-A-D-E, Animals don't have backward knees, and you will probably find this diagram. How behind are Hi. you on uh, my brother and my brother and me? Who? Um, Tim. Me? Yeah. A lot. Okay. Yeah. A bunch. I'm a bunch behind on everything. That's fair. We had another question, too, submitted through our website. Do you have that in front of you, Meg? I do. It is submitted from Michael. Thank you, Michael. Uh... Full disclosure, Megan caused this to be deleted, so the gist of it is, I guess we're going to pretend for a minute that Jurassic Park and Animorphs essentially could be the same world. Morphing finds a way. Can the Animorphs get Dino Day? You got really close for that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I was getting into my mic so I could go lower. Oh no. Okay. <laughs> Can anim can the animorphs get dino DNA from the museum and become dinos similar to how mosquitoes in amber the mosquitoes in the amber in Jurassic Park? So I guess if you want to take away from dinosaurs, like can they touch DNA? Yeah, that's a good question. I've or always blood. thought it had to be a living sample. That's what I thought too, because they never touch anything dead. But then again, I'm only seven books in, so maybe they do that in book eight. Surprise! This book, we morph into necrotizing fasciitis! I mean, just become a virus and, like, kill everybody. Viruses have DNA. 
I will say that nope, I can't even say that like yeah, I'm gonna assume that no, they can't take dead stuff because the live stuff reacts in a certain way, okay, you know what I'm saying like they 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 make it do its thing where it you know where everything gets chill, yeah, it gets comfortable for a minute. And I don't imagine you could do that to a dead thing. I really hope there is a discussion at some point between the characters about this. Yeah, I can't imagine, like, Marco wouldn't walk past, like, a, a fish at a grocery store or something along those lines and just touch it just to see what happens. Because I know that's exactly what I would do. So you think you're the Marco of the group? Yes, I think I'm the Marco of the group. How have really? we not found ourselves a... Uh... I feel like Alex is more the Marco of the group. You think so? He's a little bit quicker with the jokes like Marco. Yeah, that's but true. That's a good Maybe point. you guys are like equal parts Tobias and Marco. How have we not found a BuzzFeed quiz yet? Yeah, that's amazing. There has to be one. I'm sure there is. We just haven't looked. I'm looking right now. Homework. Yeah. Um I am Jake Dumb too, so <laughs> Oh that's right. I guess there are three boys. I was, I can say this because this won't come out until after this episode of Panelology does. I was reading Nimona for our live show for Panelology. Uh And she is a shapeshifter as well. And talks about not being able to shapeshift into inanimate objects because then she would be stuck. Because she would not have the cognitive function to shift back. So I imagine at the very least, like, obviously this doesn't answer dead fish. Uh, you know, would they morph into live fish? But, or dino DNA. But, you know, they definitely couldn't morph into a rock if they ever wanted to be anything but a rock. Yeah. No, that makes sense. That's yeah. right. I got distracted by a Sean Ashmore article. Which should surprise no one. Nope. <laughs> well, what's left on the roadmap there, Tim? I think uh, just the outro will be the last one to take it then. All right. We'd like to thank Christina Spinks for our show art. If you're interested in getting some cool art from her, email her at c.spinks.animator at gmail.com or visit or visit her at chaosdoesart, one word, on Instagram. Peep our social page. Why does he make me say that? He doesn't. Mind that you're gone. You're just choosing to read it. No, <laughs> I do. Yeah, yeah. Oh, shit. Got well. some kind of control over me um <laughs> at minds at yerk a one word on facebook twitter and instagram yerk is spelled y-e-e-r-k if you want to send us questions comments or love letters you can email us at minds at yerk at gmail.com website is minds at yerk.com if you like us and want to help us out rate review on apple podcasts available on apple Podcasts, google play stitcher and podbean or the podcatcher of your choice I got through that. I only stumbled a couple of times, so I'm gonna stick with it. You did good. We'll roll with it. All right. Oh, so you had an andalite oh, that, or a person oh, that you think is an andalite. Yes, and it's got to be. I don't know how familiar you are with Andrew WK, but this man has to be an andalite. Absolutely. Yep. Yeah, right. Okay. Ain't and no party like familiar, an andalite party. There you go. If you uh, if you are not familiar with Andrew WK, just Google him and watch a couple of videos, and you will definitely agree with me. Okay. And he was one of the first. Send me a message. One of the first obscure cultural references I ever got on Judge John Hodgman. 
Very nice. I didn't know he... Was he on Judge Judge Hodgman? No, or did he but, make a comment about him? No, but Hodgman used, uh, l- used lyrics from one of his songs as, ah, a, okay. as an obscure cultural reference early on. Gotcha. Well, that's a good one. Yeah. Early on in right. my listening, not in the history of that show. <laughs> okay. I think that's all we got this week. Cool. So, Alex, pick a page. I'm Tim. Nope. Alex, pick a page. Oh, oh, Alex, pick a page. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. It's time for Yerk Pool 2, Animorphs Revenge, right? Oh, you could not have picked that. That could better. not have been better. Yeah, that's the absolute best one. <laughs> Nailed it in one. That's awesome. For the record, oh, so we'd never make that. him re record that because he would not. No, that was no, that was amazing. Okay. Uh, I'm gonna try it again. I'm Tim. I'm Alex. And I'm Megan. And until then. We party! (laughs) Yeah, I guess we party. I'm going to say that again because I blew up my mic. We party! (laughs) Make editing a little easier on Megan. Thank you. (laughs)